Colossians chapter 2. The name of the message is False Worship and Humility. So false worship and false humility. False worship and humility. Colossians chapter 2. Our verse will be 18, verse 18, but I'd like to read from verse 13 to 19 so we get the context of the verse. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 19. And you, being the Colossian believers, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility in worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. So last week we looked at verses 16 and 17, which state, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And last week we looked and saw how uh, that, that as a result of verses 13 to 15, where we have the forgiveness of sins and the handwriting of ordinances against us has been blotted out, and, and that this was all accomplished at Calvary's cross, where our Lord and Savior triumphed over, over, his, enemy, over his enemies and over our enemies. So as a result of God's amazing grace, in verses 13 and 15, verses 16 and 17, we looked at how, how we're not to allow men, not to all allow false teachers, yoke us back under the law, or yoke us back under things that we have to do. And that's all that is. That's just bondage, that, that, that these false preachers just try to yoke you up and try to get you under bondage. Try to enslave you and chain you. And the false teachers... They would judge, they would judge us. Little do they know, though, the liberty that we have in Christ. And so Paul's telling, telling you, don't let, don't let these false teachers yoke you under bondage. Don't let them judge you. And we're going to see that again tonight. It's a vein that he continues too. So the false teachers, look at verse 16. The false teachers were judging the Colossian believers. And remember, these are Gentile believers. They're not Jewish. Believers, they're Gentiles like you and I, so they they don't they've not been under the law. They've not been under the the, the strict regulations and rules that, that the Jews had to follow. They're, they're, they, it's totally foreign to them. Totally foreign to them. So Paul tells them tells tells the Colossian believers, don't let the false teachers judge you in what you what you eat or drink. Don't let it happen. 
And don't let them tell you you have to keep certain days in order to be saved. Because that's what the false teachers were doing too. You've got to observe these certain days. And, and Paul's saying, don't. Don't let them yoke you under that. Don't let them, don't let them yoke you under that. Or, or whether you have to, they say whether you have to be saved or whether you have a deeper walk with the Lord if you, if you do these things. Paul's saying, no. You're complete in Christ. You're complete in Him. Or in respect of an holy day, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath day. So even the keeping of Saturdays, keeping certain days. Don't let people yoke you under that. Christ is our Sabbath. Christ is our rest. Not a day. Would it, would it be any different if we met on Tuesday night instead of Wednesday? Huh. No. No. No, because we're, we're meeting to worship the Lord, right? Doesn't matter what day, we're meeting to worship Him. And, and this is this is what Paul's Paul's bringing up. We're not Sabbatarians. In verse seventeen, verse seventeen just nails down Paul's rebuttal to the false teachers, who say you have to keep certain days or you have to do certain drinks, the things that they did in the Old Testament, pointing back to the ceremonial law, and 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 things like that. Verse 17 is an absolute rebuttal to the false teachers. And, and, and Paul's saying those ordinances, they were, but, they were but shadows. Christ is the substance. Look at verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but, but the body is of Christ. They were pointing to Christ. They were pointing to the one who's the substance. And I mentioned this last week, sometimes when we see someone's shadow, don't we? Before we actually see them. If, if, if we're around a corner and they come around, they're walking towards us, sometimes we see their shadow before we see them. That's what those, all those Old Testament sacrifices, all those feast days were but a shadow. And Christ is the substance. He's the substance. So tonight we'll be looking at verse 18. Verse 18 deals with the subject of angel worship which seems to be, from what the commentators I've been reading, seems to be one of, just, one, just, just one of the characteristics of the Colossian heresy. And like I say, there was quite a mix going on there. You had the Gnostics, you had the Judaizers, you got the angel worship, you got all this different stuff going on. So they, as I said really early in the study, it's almost like there was a three-pronged attack on the Colossian church, just in that. Just in angel worship and, and Gnosticism, not the Gnostics and then the Judaizers and boy, you see, they face the same thing we do. <laughs> and we'll see that later on. We we face the same things even in our day. Nothing new, Solomon said under the sun. <laughs> There's nothing new. The enemy just wraps up these errors in a different envelope. That's all, but they're the same. The core is the same. The core is the same. <laughs> So tonight we'll be looking at this. Look, look at verse 18. And this is being promoted by the false teachers. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So they're talking about a false teacher here. And Paul says, let no man beguile you of your reward. Let no man beguile you of your reward. So Paul's here saying to the Colossians, and to us too, remember, we're reading this thousands of years later, but this is written for our instruction too. 
And that's what we always got to remember. The Holy Spirit had Paul pen these words for us as well as the Colossians. It's amazing when you think about it. And, and it does cross time. It crosses social and economic thing because it's the word of God. It's supernatural. This is a spiritual book which speaks about Christ. It transcends time. It transcends time. So Paul is here saying to the Colossians and, and, and us, don't let anyone judge you or tell you that since you're not following my rules, the false teacher says, well, if you don't follow my rules and my regulations, then you're not saved. If you don't, if you don't fulfill all the checklists in my box, then you're not saved. Even if we agree on doctrine. That's awful. That's awful. But we wouldn't agree on doctrine with these false teachers. But there's some who would agree with us on doctrine, but because we don't fill their little checklist, they'd say, well, we're not going to go there. What? But the gospel's being preached. Is that not what's most important? Oh, my. Oh, my. So Paul says to the Colossians, don't let anyone judge you or tell you that since you're not following my rules or my regulations, that you're not saved. Hendrickson comments this. Don't let them tell you you're not in the race. Don't let them tell you you're not in the race. So what? When these false teachers or, or even people who proclaim such things as I said, when they tell us that we're not saved, or we're not preaching the gospel, when they proclaim the unfitness for us, what should be our response, beloved? When we're not following their rules or their commandments, or their checklists. Our response should be verse 10. I love verse 10. I live in verse 10. <laughs> See, if you don't too, look at this. And gee, Paul's writing to the Colossian believers. And gee, are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. That, that takes care of the angel worship too. But think of this. So a false teacher comes up and says, well, you're not saved because you do this and you don't do that. And your response and my response should be, I'm complete in Christ. I had, I had a guy um, last week across the road. He was talking and popping off. And I said, go home and read Colossians 1 or 2.10. That's my answer. I'm complete in Christ. I don't care what anyone says. What comfort for us as believers? No, I'm not going to follow your checklist. No, because I'm complete in Christ. <laughs> my, oh my, beloved. What great comfort for us as believers. What great comfort. You know, and God instructs us in his word, doesn't he? I get convicted when I'm reading the Word about things I should do and things I shouldn't do. And, and sometimes I think, well, how can I think like that? 
I'm complete in Christ. All my sins are forgiven. This is what's most important. And, and, and the Holy Spirit corrects me. Does he with you too? You're, you get corrected. And no one has to, no one even knows. <laughs> but, but you and the Holy Spirit, are you being corrected while you're reading the Word or hearing a gospel message and playing right between the eyes? I've got it many times. You know, I'm complete in Christ, beloved. And if you're a believer, you're complete. And, and complete means filled to the brim in the Greek. Remember, it's absolutely complete. You're, there's nothing to be added. Nothing. That's why our words of our Savior, and I know I, I hit on this almost every sermon, but it's, it's amazing. It is finished. It's complete. And if it's complete by Christ, and I'm in Christ, then I'm complete in Christ. And remember who's writing this. Beloved, remember who's writing this epistle. This is Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees. One who at one time had such strict adherence to the law. The, the very one who said, I count it all done. That I may win Christ. And he pens these Colossian, to these Colossian believers by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We must remember that too. Ye are complete in him. What an indictment to the false teachers, eh? With, with simple words. Simple words that a child could understand, right? But people trip over and stumble over Christ, don't they? Oh my. Complete in Christ. What a wonderful rest for the believer. Let the world rail. Let them rail. Let people say what they want. I'm complete in Christ. Let people say what they want about me, about you. Let them say it. I'm complete in Christ. In Him. Let the heathen rage. I'm complete in Christ. Let the legalist, let, let, him, let him freak out if he wants to. I'm complete in Christ. Walk away knowing, if you're a believer, I'm complete in Christ. Now, now some folks say, they say, well, if you teach like that, though, you know, you know we've went over this. People just go crazy. No, they won't. The love of Christ constrains us. Why? This is, this, is what, this is the difference between grace and religion. And it's, it's, it's a gap so wide, it's incredible. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. And what a happy condition for the believer. If we just leave with this tonight, what a happy condition. I am complete in Christ. He did it all. <laughs> he did. I'm a sinner. I was talking with a fellow today, and 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 we we were, we were talking on the phone, called and asked some questions, and and, and I don't know, uh, maybe he'll come this weekend. He said, but you know, we, hopefully, Lord will, and He will. But but I, I said, look, I'm saved, but I'm still a sinner. But I'm complete in Him. 
I struggle every day. Repentance is not a one-time thing. I'm still repenting, still coming to Christ on a daily basis, still see my need for Him because He's showing me on a daily basis, and I'm completing Him. That's my rest. That's what I told Him. My rest isn't in what I, what I can do because I can never please God in my doings. But oh, I rest in the One who did it all for me and all for you if you believe. And we're completing Him. Oh, what a happy condition for the boy. We could just stop there, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, my. My. Our text continues, though. It says, in a voluntary humility. Now, religious folks delight in humility. I know because I was a religious person and I did. I delighted in the false humility that, that, that uh, oh, my. But some sincere humility is precious, beloved. It's precious. It's precious. But the humility I've spoken of here in our verse, this is a boastful, proud humility. This is a, this is a humility which, which is not humility at all. It's a cloak for pride. It's a cloak for pride. It's a disguise for pride. And look at how verse 23 in our chapter, go down to verse 23. This exposes this false humility spoken of right here. For what it is, beloved, it's will worship. Look at this. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship in humility. And neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. It's a false humility. It's, it's a sham. It's a big show. It's just a big show. That's all it is. But if God saved you, You'll be humble, but you won't even know it. You'll be meek, but you won't even know it. Because what the what what's the one thing what's the one thing the Lord does for us? One of the, one of the many things, but what 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 is the one thing that that he he does for every single one of us? He puts us in the dust, doesn't he? When we learn the gospel, when he reveals it to us, and we learn that we're sinners. Oh my! Right. We are. And we really don't get back up out of the dust. <laughs> like Scott Richardson says, I love old Scott Richardson, we make our headquarters in the dust. That's where we stay. And the gospel just keeps us there, doesn't it? But oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. What a Redeemer. And again, we're complete. I'm going to keep hammering that nail. We're complete in Him. We're absolutely complete in Christ. We're complete in Him. So let's go back to our text in verse 18. It says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So it says, in a voluntary humility, we looked at that, that's a false humility. It's a, it's a, it's a cloak for pride, for self-righteousness. And then it says, in worshiping of angels... Now, now, these men back then and false preachers in every generation attempt to beguile, and the Greek is defraud. We're looking a little bit, little bit more into what the Greek is there. But it, it's to defraud God's children of our reward, our prize, which is Christ. Our reward is Christ. He's our exceeding reward. People get all lit up about crowns. And all. No, just look to Christ. He's our reward. <laughs> My goodness. My goodness. That's what's most important. 
That's what's most important is Christ. In a voluntary humility, in other words, they willingly put on a mask of false humility as we looked at. Now, a quick note where it says, let no man beguile you there. Let no man beguile you. Beguile there speaks of, of one that tries to make you think that they're a judge, or in the Greek, the umpire in spiritual matters. So a judge, they, they try to beguile you to make you think that they're a judge in spiritual matters. And the Greek definition is actually this, to decide as umpire against someone. So we all know we can use that word in baseball. When the umpire says the, the guy's out, it's done. There's no fighting it. Now the guy might get mad and toss his bat and walk away, but it's, there's, there's no, it's, it's done. So do you see how these guys were setting themselves up as an authority? What they said goes. And if you didn't follow, you didn't follow what they say, you didn't check all their boxes. You're not saved. Now see how now that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. These men are these men are setting themselves up as the final authority. And then the, the, the underlying Greek definition again is to defraud or beguile of the prize of victory. And we know that our 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 Christ is our reward. He's our exceeding reward. And then metaphor is to deprive of salvation. So, so it gets right to the core. They were actually saying people, people aren't saved if they're, if they're not listening to what they say. Or, so we see they're, they're why Paul was so adamantly against what they were teaching. Now these false teachers declare God's children is unworthy of our reward in Christ. And and, and we are unworthy in ourselves, right? But we're complete in Christ. But they say, no, 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 you're not because you don't fall these days and you don't drink and eat what we tell you to eat and drink. You see the yoking? What bondage. It's all about control, beloved. It's all about power. So they would attempt to disqualify us because we do not keep the law of Moses or we do not follow what they put up to be their standard for salvation. They try to insist that we get involved in things contrary to the doctrines of the Holy Scriptures, right? Yoking, trying to yoke you under what they say, like the worshiping of angels, which we see here. But don't be fooled, beloved. Don't be fooled, beloved of God. They and, and this is they come in a thousand different faces. This is why we must hear the gospel, because then we know, whoa, that's wrong. Remember what? Remember what I told you? What Norm Wells told me about bank tellers. Right? They study the real to know the counterfeit. They don't have to study the false. They study the real. We study the real every week, beloved. And we know what the counterfeit is then, don't we? No, that's wrong when someone says, well, you've got to keep the law of Moses. No, no, Christ fulfilled it all for me. He kept it. Yeah, I'm complete in Him. I'm complete in Him. And sometimes they come, sometimes they come with with, with that which sounds right from the Scriptures, and they boldly proclaim, if you don't believe exactly like them, then you're lost. Again, my response is, I am complete in Christ. I don't care what you say. <laughs> because the Scripture says I'm complete in Christ. Measure my doctrine by what I preach. Right? Every grace preacher will tell you this. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. And Him crucified. Oh my. And God's people, that's... Is that not all you want to hear? 
You want to hear nothing else. You want me to tell you how to live a better Christian life? Because I don't even know how to do that. Right? <laughs> right? I just trust in Christ. I wake up every day, I'm trusting in Christ. I'll have another day on this earth. I'm going to rest in my Savior. And I have to remind myself. I'm a preacher and I've got to remind myself all the time. Wayne, just rest in Christ. Something will come up. Just rest in Christ. Just trust in Him. Just remember, keep looking back at all the times He's delivered you. And He's going to take us home, Wayne. He keeps us. We can't keep ourselves. But He keeps us. And I'm, I'm complete in Christ. I'm going to rest in that. What comfort and rest for my soul to know. And I pray that if you, don't, if you can't say the same, I pray that God would make you well and give you grace to flee to Christ that you would be able to say, I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete in Him. So we're to be aware, beware and be aware and beware of the false teachers and preachers who will try to beguile you or defraud you acting as as a judge or or umpire in spiritual matters, insisting on self-abasement by you, by something you do, or, or, or trying to beguile you of your reward in Christ. And our reward is that He's finished it all, right? He's done it all. We rest. That's our rest. That's our hope. If Christ hasn't done it all, I'm lost. But Scripture declares he's, he's done it all. And he's our rest, isn't he? He's our rest. He's our rest. Let's go back to our text here. It says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. So the false teachers were trying to defraud the Colossian believers and sit in judgment of them. And Paul's already warned them about this earlier in the chapter. Be, now, now think of this in light of verses 17 and 16. 16 and 17. So think of this. The false teachers were trying to defraud the, defraud the, um, the Colossian believers, right? Beguile them. And they sat in judgment over them because they would not abstain from certain meats, because they would not abstain from certain drinks. And remember, they're trying to yoke them under the, under the um, Mosaic laws. These are Gentiles. They, they don't, they've never ever had anything to do with this stuff. But see, the false teachers, they don't care about that. They're trying to make them conform to what they believe. What they believe. And they also were trying to get them to observe certain times and days. And the Colossian believers would not worship the angels, would they? Scripture, Paul's telling them here, don't. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility in worshiping of angels. Don't let, don't let it happen. Because the Colossian, the, the error that was being taught was that there was a hierarchy of angels. That there was a hierarchy of angels which led up to God. And they were to be worshipped. And they placed Christ as just one of those angels, one of those mediators. See, they were, they were saying, well, there's all these different mediators. There's only one mediator. <laughs> there's only one. And he ain't an angel. He's, he's the Lord. He's God, incarnated in the flesh. So the false teachers, 
The false teachers were teaching this, and, and hence we've seen all through our study, haven't we, that Paul is setting forth Christ. Now we see why even more. He's setting forth Christ in contrast to what these false teachers are preaching and teaching. And he's putting forth, so far we've seen him put forth the supremacy of Christ, haven't we? The supremacy of Christ. And we saw that all through chapter 1. If you review chapter 1, all through there, the supremacy of Christ. He's, he's absolutely supreme. No one even comes close to him. And then he's also, now in chapter 2, what I've noticed is he's putting, he's putting forth the all-sufficiency of Christ. Hence that you're complete in him. He's, a, he's, he's, you don't need anything else. Nothing else. There's only one mediator, as I said, and that's Christ. So the false teachers are, are putting angels as mediators between God and men. And some commentators state that, that this supposed voluntary humility was stated uh, because the false teachers in their error supposed themselves to be too insignificant to approach God. Which, again, that's why Paul says it's, it's a false humility. Oh, I'm not worthy. Well, we all know we're not worthy, don't we? Every believer knows he's not worthy. I don't get what I deserve. But they were doing it in a false sense, in a false, showing their supposed piety. Well, Henderson comments on this portion of Scripture. Perhaps the false teacher was trying to create the impression that he considered himself too insignificant to approach God directly, hence sought to contact deity through the mediation of angels and therefore worship them. Now, angel worship, as I read more about this, was, was an error that plagued the early church. It was said by one, one church, early church father, it is not right for Christians to abandon the church of God and go away to invoke angels. So again, we see there's nothing new under the sun. Right? Nothing new under the sun. Think of this today. Brother, brother you were saved out of the Catholic Church. Think of this. Catholic Church just replaced angels with dead saints. They actually tell you they're mediators. I remember when I was in there, they just lie. They tell you Mary's a co-redeemer and a co-meter. That's just a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell, beloved. There's only one mediator between God and man. So again, we see there's nothing new under the sun, though. That, that this same error that's being that promoted is, is still going on today. Spurgeon comments on this verse. Do not be beguiled by those who, who tell you that you ought to pay reverence to angels and saints. And he, he said, and I know not what besides. One day is called St. Matthew's and another is St. Michael's and, and the one I suppose is, is St. Judas Day. There are, all, there are all sorts of supposed saints, some of whom are never mentioned in the Bible and about whom nobody ought to care at all. And he says, let no man beguile you of your reward and of voluntary humility and worship in the vain. Nothing new under the sun, beloved. Still going on today. Still, my mom, oh, I, I pray the Lord to show her the truth. She spins rosary beads all the time. It's like, Mom, you, Mary's a, a sinner just like... She, she, now, she was highly favored. Highly favored of God. 
but she's a sinner just like you and I. She needed to be saved. And, and the Lord saved her, didn't he? The Lord granted her faith. But they, 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 oh, I just, just pray the Lord will give her eyes to see Christ. Now we who believe know that we have one meteor, don't we? Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy 2.5. And I know I haven't had us turn around a whole lot. And put your finger in John chapter 3. We who believe know that there's one mediator. We have one mediator between God and man. This is the verse that shook me when I, when I was in Catholicism that someone showed me. And it shook, my, it shook me to the core. This was... The, I, you know, I'd never read the Bible, and 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 when I saw this, and 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 uh, I was told, why do you even go to a priest? And and it was right there, and and I wasn't even saved, and I was like, well, hold on, the Bible says that. Look what it says in First Timothy chapter two, verses five and six. And we who have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God and, and taught the things of Christ, we believe this because Scripture declares it. For there is one God, there's only one God, and one mediator between God and men. There goes the priest. There's no need to go to a man. There's only one mediator. And it's not, a, it's not some guy in a black, black, black thing walking around. No, it's Christ Jesus our Lord. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's our mediator. Between God and man, that, and there, so so He is the only mediator between God and sinners, the only one. The man Christ Jesus, God became a man, fully God and fully man, who gave Himself a ransom for all. Now, some people take that and run with that and say, "See that Christ died for everybody." Oh no, Christ died for all His people. Yeah, all, everyone He gave Himself a ransom for is the all, his people. We know that. Because he said he came to save his people from their sins. To be testified in due time. So there is one true mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, the one who is both God and man, the one who is the redeemer of his people, the one who is the all-sufficient savior of his people, the one who right now, right now, Rules and reigns supreme in heaven. and he, he, He's a king. He's a king. He's upon the throne. And he rules, beloved. He rules over all, seen and unseen. Seen and unseen. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's consider the latter part of the verse now. In verse 18, it says, Let no man beguile you of your reward and the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which, which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So Paul, Paul here continues to speak about the false teachers, intruding into those things which, which he, hath, he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. Now, now the gospel preacher, turn if you would to John chapter 3, we'll be here. Now, the gospel preacher and teacher, we teach what we know. We teach what we've experienced. God has, Christ saved my soul. Therefore, I proclaim salvations of the Lord. 
It wasn't anything I did. Therefore, I, could, I, I, I preach I'm complete in Him. It doesn't have anything to do with, with you know, he, he keeps me. He preserves me. It's all a work of God. I've experienced it. Just like I can't tell you, Brother Newell, about my hometown unless I live there. But I've lived there, so I can tell you about it. But if I'd never, if I, if I'd never moved to Oregon, I couldn't tell you about Oregon. But I've lived there, so I can tell you about it. See, I can't tell you about somewhere where I've never been. And there's a bunch of preachers out there trying to tell people about somewhere they've never been. Someone they don't, they've never known. Now that's... I, I, first time I heard Brother Henry say that, I was like, oh my goodness, isn't that so true? Isn't that true? We cannot tell you about somewhere we've never been. Turn, if you would, again, to John chapter 3. So the gospel preacher and teacher teaches, teaches what, what they know, what we've experienced. And look what the Lord told Nicodemus here. John chapter 3, verses 9 to 15. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? The Lord just told me you must be born again. Jesus answered and said unto him, look at this, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? He, he's, a, he's a teacher highly esteemed in Israel. He, he, he reads the Bible. He teaches the Bible. The Old Testament. Not the New, because they only had the Old then. And he doesn't even know what the Lord's talking about. He, he has no clue. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, look at this, look at verse 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know. We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen what we've seen, what we know and what we've seen. And you receive not our witness. They, 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 they didn't receive the witness because they, they didn't know Christ. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, being Christ, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right? What happened? Now, now think of this. People use John 3.16 all the time, right? But, but think of this. Here's the gospel right here in 14 and 15. Right here. 16 is the result of 13 and 14. Look at this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, well, Christ must be lifted up, right? He was lifted up on the cross, beloved. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. What happened to all those who had been bitten and they looked? They lived, didn't they? Wow. That's us. That's a picture of you and I. We looked to Christ. What happened to all those who didn't look when that serpent was raised up? And they all perished. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. But I can't speak about something that I don't know. And think of that in, in our verse. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worship of angels 
intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Remember the Lord said what we see? Vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So in verse 10 of John chapter 3, Christ chided Nicodemus for his ignorance of divine truth. He's a master of Israel, as I said. He's a master of Israel. And Christ reveals the, the cause of his ignorance is that he does not know Christ and he does not receive the things of Christ. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5. Just a couple chapters over. John chapter 5. And then put your finger in 1 Corinthians. I didn't have us move around. See, now I've got us all going all over. Right? <laughs> but we're almost done. We're almost done, beloved. So now we know that we know that the reason a man does not know the things of God is because he, he receives not God's witness, right? We saw that when the Lord was talking to Nicodemus. Look at John 5, verses 40 to 44. And look at this. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, verse 41, but I know you. Now, he knows them. He knows them better than they know themselves. He's God incarnate in the flesh. But I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? These false teachers in our text. Now, now tie that in with what we just read. Tie that in with, and I'll read our verse before we go to 1 Corinthians. Let no man beguile you of your reward and the voluntary humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen. He's not seen the things of Christ. Vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So the false teachers in our text, they did not know Christ. They did not believe his word. And they stumble around in darkness and in ignorance. They're the blind leading the blind. Just like the Lord's. They're the blind leading the blind. They're in darkness, right? We were in darkness, weren't we? What do you do in the darkness? I don't like the dark. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the dark. I like light. And the older I get, the more I like the light. One of the worst things, and Vicky will tell you, I drive her crazy. I keep my night light, uh, my, 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 my light on beside the bed. <laughs> She's shaking. I keep my light beside the bed on all night sometimes because I just like to have a light on. Because the worst thing for me is getting up in the middle of the night and stubbing my toe on something I didn't see or stepping on something I didn't see. And oh man, it happened to all of us, hasn't it? But I just like to have a light on. I don't know why. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like that until I got older. You know? But I, but I stumbled around the darkness of religion for a long, long time, beloved. A long time. Until the Lord revealed Himself. So these false teachers, they stumble in darkness and ignorance. Again, they're the blind leading their blind. Let's look at our, the latter part of our text again. It says intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So Christ is not being revealed to the false teacher. And the false teacher does not 
He does, he does not have the mind of Christ. So therefore, he's puffed up. He's vainly puffed up in their fleshy mind. And they have such a sinful, high opinion of themselves. I know, I was there. When I was in, when I was in religion, I told you all that I, I was... I was I know, I know what, that, what, what that Pharisee was like when he said, well, I'm not like that publican over there. Oh my gosh, the Lord delivered me from that, beloved. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that now I'm the publican saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. But I... Religious folks can get so puffed up. And, and I speak from experience. You're so puffed up so easy. And you get a high opinion of yourself. What happens when the Lord says this? He will walk right down in the dust. Right? So the false teacher is all puffed up and has a high opinion of himself. And this moves him to, to teach things that aren't even written in the Word of God. His visions are imaginary. You hear all these false teachers on TV saying they've seen stuff. Yeah, they saw stuff. It's all demonic, beloved. It's not from God. They say they know the things of God and His teaching, but it all comes from a fleshy mind. It all comes from an unregenerate mind. And they're the blind leading the blind, beloved. They've not been taught of God. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This will be the last scripture we'll look at here. And then we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now we wouldn't know unless he taught us. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, now, the false teacher, he's a natural man. Look at what verse 14 says. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They won't receive them. Why? For they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them. See, look at that verse. What do free willers say about that? Neither can he know them. He can't know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. They must, they must be revealed. Christ is a revelation. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. I've used this picture many times because I think it's one of the most fitting pictures in Scripture. The, Joseph's brothers had no clue who he was. But remember, he revealed himself to them. And then they all wept. But they didn't know. They didn't know who he was. But oh, when he revealed himself... It's the same with us. He, Christ must reveal himself, and he does it through the preaching of the gospel. This is why it's vital, again, absolutely vital that we proclaim Christ. Every time, the gospel, every time a man gets up in the pulpit or, or teaches Sunday school, or Sister Ruth, even when you're teaching Sunday school, to point, point, you point the kids to Christ. You know, I, I, I preach and point you all to Christ. That's what we do. We, there's nothing... Nothing else. No one else. 
who can save us. Neither can he know them because they are spiritual, spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you see the opposite of what, go back to our text in Colossians 2.18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worship of angels intrude into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. He does not have the mind of Christ at all. So let us always be aware of this, that a false teacher has one thing he wants to accomplish, and that is to lead us away from Christ. That is to lead us away from Christ and to follow him. That's what false teachers want. They want to lead us away from Christ and follow him. Beware, beloved of God, of any man who promotes his way or the highway. Beware of that. Beware of that. When it comes to spiritual matters, we must cling to Christ. We must cling to Christ Jesus, who the scriptures proclaim that we are absolutely complete. So again, if a false teacher comes up, I'm complete in Christ. So we've also looked at tonight that we are not to be led astray by false teachers and false professors who say you must follow how they believe. They, they sit in judgment of us. No. No, I'm complete in Christ. Do you see how Christ is the answer to all the, all the error? It's always Christ. We also looked at how false preachers have a false humility and how they're puffed up by things that are contrary to the scriptures, such as what we've seen here, uh, angel worship, and, and even their vain imaginations, things they drum up in their own imaginations. Beloved of God, let us keep our eye of faith upon Christ, in whom we are complete, in whom we have forgiveness of all our sins. All of them. How? By the shedding of his precious blood. And let us heed what Scripture proclaims in Philippians 2.14, to press toward, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And our prayer is, may God give us the strength to do that. May he give us the strength to do that in your grace. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before thy throne again with just, just thankful hearts. Thankful hearts that we are complete in you, Lord Jesus that there is nothing we, we can do on our own to merit our salvation, but our salvation is completely in you. It's absolutely nothing we do. We are simply receivers of your grace, receivers of, of your goodness towards us in Christ Jesus. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. But oh, we marvel that you give it to us. And may we tell others, about the wonderful things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's... Uh